0: In name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight we remember the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it was such an event that it caused the church fathers to explain so much and show what's actually revealed. And if I were to take the time to reveal to you all that has been revealed through the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. who would literally be here for days. I know what you're thinking. Thank God we celebrate this once a year, and we'll do it bit by bit and learn all of these things. But it really is that magnificent of an occurrence that Christ gave to His disciples It quite frankly shows us the experience that our Lord wants to give to each one of us, and quite frankly, even on a daily basis to so many different varying degrees. And that's what we want to look at tonight. If you would, take your bulletin and go to the front of the bulletin where you're going to find the icon of the transfiguration. One of the original uses of the icons, for some of you that are new, was literally for this, for the teaching of the faith. The church would use the iconography, and with so many people being illiterate that in those days, the church would use the iconography and teach from the truths that it told us. So I'm going to refer to this icon. I'll call you to look at it a number of times as we think about these things and consider these things tonight. But have a look at it as I even tell the story that you just heard chanted from the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 9. The three disciples, Peter, James, and John, they're invited to come in the darkness of the night to go up to the mountain and to be with Christ. And during the night, in the deep hours of the night, we find that the disciples fall asleep. And all of a sudden, the Scripture tells us these very key words. As Jesus prayed. As Jesus prayed, He was transfigured. He was transformed right in the sight of His disciples and now radiating with the uncreated light that the Word of God had always emanated from Himself. That glory of God so shone through the person of Jesus Christ that it absolutely illuminated everything that they saw. And we see those men of God, as we hear in the Gospel, those men of God long dead. Moses, who we see as the one who shows us he represents the law. And Elijah, the great prophet Elijah representing the prophets of the law and the prophets that are fulfilled with Christ they appear and they are fellowshipping with Christ. They speak together with Jesus about the path that Christ will take in Jerusalem. As speaking as St. Cyril of Alexandria notes, they were talking to Him about both all of it, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension as He would go to Jerusalem for us. And then the cloud of the glory of God, we're told, came and enshrouded encompassed all of them as it enshrouded that mountain at the top. And we're told that by this revelation, this experience, this great illumination that the three disciples experienced, those disciples who were slumbering, they came quickly out of their slumber and they were now fully awake. Remember that. Look again at the icon. You can see that glory emanating from Christ our God and illuminating all things. Tell me something when you look at that icon. Find for me the darkness in the deep of the night you find only a slight bit on the icon because what it's showing us the fathers are teaching that when the uncreative light of god through jesus christ shines forth all darkness has to retreat it has no choice but to retreat in the light of the one who is the light of the world the darkness was overcome and by the disciples going up to the mountain to be with christ They received the greater revelation of who Jesus Christ was, not only by the great illumination of that uncreated light, but the Father spoke on that mountain, just as He did at our Lord's baptism, proclaiming the identity of Jesus Christ. This is my Son. They received the greater illumination, and by that illumination, this greater revelation, the disciples woke up from their sleep remember those things because every one of them pertains to our experience to be had in our Lord Jesus Christ by his absolute continuous revelation of himself to us in our lives. Now there are two aspects of this divine event that I want us to consider tonight and I'm going to speak of this one far more than the second because they both give us the same experience of Christ but one stems from the other those two aspects of the divine event we want to consider tonight if we'll have eyes to see are number one, that the transfiguration according to the teachings of our faith, the transfiguration grants us a revelation of the reality of this very sacred time and event that we call the liturgy in the worship of the Lord our God. And the experience of our salvation is to be had when we are here together in Christ is with Him as we meet with Him in this time. And then secondly, that this same experience that we see on Mount Tabor where the Transfiguration occurred, this transformation, this Transfiguration, and the impact that it had on the disciples that night is there to be had for all of us in our daily lives. If we will take moments half hours or whatever to ascend the mountain by the invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ and just simply be with the one who constantly longs to be at the top of the mountain to meet us and to be with us. So let's talk about what the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ according to our faith, what it tells us about this very sacred time that we have with Christ in the liturgy. And I ask you once again to take a look at the icon of the Transfiguration for a brief moment. Because I tell you that what you see in that icon perfectly fits the description of what Christ provides for us in the event that we know of as the liturgy. Our Lord Jesus Christ invites every one of His disciples, not just three, that is all of us, to come up to the mountain to be with Him, and most importantly, to be with Him and to behold Him. Christ wants to reveal Himself to us in this sacred time. And this has been a theme, by the way, all through the Old Covenant and the Old Testament that is fulfilled through Christ in the New Covenant. The prophet Isaiah spoke of this in Isaiah chapter 2 when he said, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. By the way, what are the latter days? You're sitting The latter days is every day from the incarnation forward. The time that Christ brought the kingdom of God so very close and so very near to us, we have been existing, humanity has been existing in the latter days since then, the final covenant. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days, Isaiah says, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills And all nations shall flow to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, where He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths. How will we learn from God? How will we become of people that can walk in the paths of righteousness, in His image, in His likeness? How? By going up to the mountain. Being with Him and beholding Him again and again and again in our lives. And in the liturgy, we ascend this mountain. Father James and I have been speaking about this all last year. We walk into this place, we leave the world, and we come to another kingdom, one that's eternal. And when we come in, we don't come in looking straight ahead and looking down. We look up. The altar's in ascension. And the one who is upon the altar and present with us is the glorified Jesus Christ, Wanting to illuminate us every time that we come and gather with him. In this account of the transfiguration in St. Luke, remember he tells us that it's when Jesus prayed. When Jesus prayed, he was transfigured. And the disciples received that greater revelation of Christ our God. We need to know something that the church teaches us about the role of the priest and the very prayers that are prayed in the liturgy. Because we need to know that everything an orthodox priest prays and says in the liturgy is simply doing one thing. It's manifesting for all of you, even himself. Manifesting for all of us the very actions, the very heart, and the very prayers. Of our Lord Jesus Christ in our midst. The church teaches us that this is the truth. Because the church teaches us that the priest ultimately is not the celebrant of the liturgy. But the great high priest. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who celebrates every liturgy in our midst. So when scriptures are chanted. Or even when they are read. Jesus Christ is emanating Himself for you to receive something from Him. When in the liturgy, for example, we do our confession, and I pray we have in our minds why we need mercy when we do this confession, we are going before our great high priest boldly to find help in the time of need so that when you hear the priest say the words of Christ, you don't receive the priest's words. You receive the actions of Jesus Christ on our behalf, forgiving our sins Washing them away, revealing to us the reality that He is our God of endless and limitless mercy, where we experience Him in the Mass when that happens. And when the priest takes bread and blesses it and raises it to heaven, and He takes the wine and the chalice and He blesses it and He raises it to heaven, it is not the priest blessing anything. Jesus Christ takes our collective offering. I offer it for all. He takes our collective offering. He blesses it like He did with His disciples when He fellowshiped with them. He blesses it and He makes it the food of everlasting life. The blood that again cleanses us actively and the body that makes us whole again from His broken one. That's what's happening in the liturgy. So it must be said that in the liturgy when Jesus prays, he is glorified in the Mass. All the prayers you hear are His prayer. When He prays, He is illuminating us. He is sharing something with us that's to be received for our benefit and for our salvation. You see, in the Mass, we are brought to Mount Tabor. In the liturgy, by Christ's design and by His desire and invitation. He starting. with to see this. May we grow, not just in seeing an intellectual truth, but in the reality of an experience that saves the soul and restores contentment to the inner being. That's what we're after in meeting with our Lord time and time again. Christ shining forth in the liturgy. In that icon, we also see something else having to do with the liturgy. We find those who have fallen asleep long ago. Moses and Elijah present with the living see this is this not what the church teaches us occurs in this sacred time and space then when we gather together we are joining in the entire eternal worship with the living and those who have gone before us fallen asleep in Jesus Christ experiencing it all Where again, that very thin veil as it's become, since Christ brought the kingdom so close to us, gets pulled away a bit. And we get to experience our beloved brothers and sisters who are saints in Christ already there, seeing it in full. And that's what we see in this icon. Because Christ has conquered death, my friends, and death does not exist in the kingdom of God. And what is the light? All of this revelation and illumination... What does that greater revelation of Christ our God do for us as we meet on this mountain? I tell you the reality. It does the same thing that it did for Peter, James, and John on that mountain that night on Mount Tabor. Notice for them that in those moments, a number of things happened when the illumination occurred. The darkness all around them and believe me within them, it rolled away and gave way to the uncreated light of God. Because the darkness, you see, remember this. The darkness had an effect on them that night. What happened to them in the darkness? They fell asleep. They slumbered even when Christ was with them before His glorification. But at the divine revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, that illumination, they awoke. They woke up and saw and beheld. And I imagine they did it right quick. I would. But I tell you this. The same awakening. Out of a slumber. Out of a sleep. Can happen for all of those who come to this mount table. It can happen for us if we will come to the mountain with an authentic anticipation within us. To go to that mountain needing to behold our Lord and God. And He will grant. That very thing, in fact, it is his delight to do so. And my friends, the same thing can happen in our daily lives. We talk about the liturgy, but always remember this. The liturgy is the hub of our spirituality that we go from here and live out on a daily basis until we return to the hub again. That experience is there to be had in our individual lives, in our family times of prayer, in our individual prayer and fellowship with Christ whether it's in our homes, in the sacred space of our home, or anywhere we choose to turn our attention to our Lord Jesus. If our hearts truly approach the Lord with the disposition of the psalmist who penned these words from Psalm 80, listen to this. This is how we ought to come, daily as well as to the Mass, where he cried out, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, You who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine, and we shall be saved. Are you hearing the language of the transfiguration? At this time, the cry for it is emanating from his people. Jesus, shine forth, save me. Because that's the context and the only context in which we can be saved. My friends, it's the only way. Because they constantly go down to behold Jesus. And by beholding Jesus, and only by beholding Jesus by that illumination, they're changed forever. By that experience. Because they seek after the Lord as if He's the most important thing to them in their lives. And Jesus promised that those who seek me will what? Will find me. Will find me. We need the internal darkness within our souls to retreat at the shining forth of the illumination of the uncreated light of Christ that reveals Himself to us over and over again. Because, my friends, all that darkness that exists within our souls, which, by the way, also our minds, that darkness keeps us It keeps us seeing and perceiving all things around us and all things about ourselves and all things about God darkly. It keeps us trapped. And it's because of that darkness that hasn't tasted the illumination of Christ. It's because of that darkness that we tend to exist at times in such confusion and in chaos and in disorders and with anxieties that have no need being within our being. Paul knew the experience of the transfiguration by going up the mountain and experiencing Christ because he taught it so well in one of my absolute favorite verses. And you know this because I quote it so often. St. Paul knew the transfiguration was a need for our salvation, that experience when he said these words. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. He knew that experience, and He shares it with us. And the reality is this, if we will begin to live a life coming with anticipation, preparing ourselves with a hunger to be illuminated by Christ when we come here, and then we take it into our homes, I promise you what the result will be. What will come from the depths of your soul is what came from the depths of our St. Peter when he experienced that transfiguration that night. You know what he said? It is good for us to